0: Welcome to The Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. Breakaway for nonstop chill. The Hockey Show. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley.
1: Here we go, everybody. It's the hockey show on ESPN 1000 presented by Coors Light. Break away from the nonstop chill with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle coming to you from the first Midwest Bank studios in downtown Chicago. Brian, how you doing this morning?
2: I'm doing terrific. Patrick,
1: how are you? I'm doing okay. I, I, I'll be honest. Uh, the loss to Detroit the other night was, was a gut punch for me. I, I, I really thought we were going to see. The Hawks take the ice with a lot at stake, realizing just a handful of games left, now 12. They were, at the time, four points back of Nashville. Yes, the, the 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 wings have improved, but look, they're in last place. You've got more on the line than they do. You've got some momentum here. You've got Nashville on the horizon. And I just didn't see, even though, I, you know, Jeremy said afterwards he didn't mind the effort didn't mind the energy see i didn't yeah, see that, it that, that way did
2: you well I, I think a lot of us didn't so as surprising as the loss was because of everything you just mentioned the attitude of we played pretty well you know didn't get the result we wanted i didn't see it watching it in real time and and listening to the post game you know satisfied isn't the word necessarily and i get you can't be Mike Keenan after each loss, and that's not Jeremy Colliton by by any stretch of the imagination. But you're right, 12 games to go here. I mean, you have to you have to take care of business against the teams you're supposed to beat. And it's great to say, well, guess what? Carolina lost two, you know, uh, 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 Nashville lost two, so no big deal. Well, that's two points that you yeah. could have had and should have had.
1: I think Duncan Keith summed it up best, basically saying that, you know, the goals that they scored, we didn't make them work. As hard as we had to for ours, and, and that's really at the end of the day the the soft goal that Lakinen allowed uh when he tried to block her one to the corner the uh the, the just the poor decision t- uh, at the end of the power play, the poor recognition to realize that that is ending and' uh, allow Verana the uh, the breakaway goal. So those are two of the three goals that uh, I would say you handed to them, but you certainly put it on a, on a platter and they certainly earned their last one. And the last one was an empty netter. So I don't know. I just, I, I expected more. I, I want to, it's been such a fun story this year. This team has been a lot of, uh, a lot of fun. They've been in tight games. The, the, there's names that we had no idea about that have uh, burst onto the scene uh, and it, it's it's been a nice ride here for the last few months, and you want to see it continue here with uh, with the playoffs, just you know, twelve regular season games away.
2: Well, I can't wait to get the take of the president of hockey operations, uh, Stan Bowman, who joins us in a few minutes about this season and about moving forward. Because, as you mentioned, you know, it, it's been a surprising story. It's been a fun story for the most part, and now trying to who saw six deals coming from stan on on monday i didn't and it looked like a pretty good haul for the moves he made and so you know what what does that look on like on his board and in his office and and what did he expect to get accomplished and and what did he get accomplished in terms of his goals but with 12 games to go here there's a lot of meaningful hockey left to be played and I assume, I mean, the sense of urgency wasn't there certainly Thursday night. I assume the players in the coaching staff and Stan want to see a postseason here.
1: No question about it. So, yeah, Stan Bowman joins the show in about 10 minutes. If you've got any questions, uh, tweet them at both Brian and myself. You can follow the Hockey Show on Twitter at ESPN Hockey Show. Our number is 312 332 3776. For those of you watching and listening to the show on Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash ESPN1000Chicago. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic haul at the trade deadline. And remember, it started, it started two weeks prior when uh, Stan acquired Vinny Henistroza. Uh I liked what they did. You know, they were honest with themselves. They, they, they said that they were looking long-term with this team and they weren't looking short-term. And I thought the moves they made to get a second round pick and I mean, a third. Amazing. For Matthias Yanmark, when Taylor Hall, you got more for Matthias Yanmark than t- t- it took to get Taylor Hall, who's an MVP in this league. That I, is I thought, incredible.
2: I, we talked about it. I thought, you know, you, you were saying second, I was saying third. No way did we, I think either one of us think second and third, like you said. So God bless him. I mean, that, and, Moving forward, you still have plenty of uh, of money in terms of next year that you can deal with in the off season. But in the here and now, you know, Thursday night we saw the debut of the five forwards. Still working on the five defensemen on the power play. No one wants to hear about it. That's my plan. <laughs>
1: That's your plan. That's my we, plan. We might see it tonight. We yeah, might see it tonight in Detroit. What did you
2: th- What did you think of? Uh, you know, we didn't see any pucks in the back of the net. Did you like what you saw? Uh, not
1: particularly. I, look i i I watched it at practice this week. They started the the idea of the five forwards last week, so it was Doc, it was DeBrinket, it was Kane Kubelik, and Strom and uh you know part of the reason that they have to go this route, Boquist was out with the concussion. We will see if he's available tonight. uh they put Duncan Keith and Kalnick on the second power play unit, so they went with two d and three forwards on the second unit. I the, the issue I had and they they tweaked it on the the third power play in that second period and that was really that was their opportunity to get back into that game in the second period when they allowed the three unanswered uh, to Detroit. They had three power plays. That when when this team had a solid footing on the 4 seed in the Central Division, They were getting the outstanding goaltending. All right, maybe they didn't get that on Thursday night in Detroit. And they had the top five power play unit that was producing more than it was not. That has not been the case as of late. So the first two times, they had Patrick Kane at the top of the umbrella. And what that does, in my book, is take him out of the play. It takes him out of a scoring situation, right? You know, it's not like he's going to score. Uh, driving a a slap shot from from the top of the point.
2: That's not him. That's not his, you know,
1: his M.O. He's more dangerous on the half wall. So they flipped it and put him down there on the third power play, and that's when they got their best look. So we'll see uh, what happens uh, tonight. I just – it's it's an area they have to clean up if they want to get to the postseason – They've got to produce Now Detroit's had some improvement on their penalty kill, but uh, by and large this year, they've been near the bottom of the league in that department.
2: Yeah. And, and so, have, so have the Hawks of late last five weeks or so. So, you know, again, the, the, um, the power play plus PK plus Lincoln in was great while it lasted, but we've said it a thousand times margin of error with that kind of a uh, addition is very minimal so once one of those things goes if not two or three all three then you're in trouble
1: so simply put will the blackhawks make the playoffs your options yes no or we'll know after three against nashville this week by the way they're in nashville on monday then home at the united center to take on the predators on wednesday and friday that that could really be the season in a nutshell brian i mean it, you may not win the central this week But if you don't fare well in that series, you could lose it.
2: Hey, look, the objects in your rearview mirror may be closer than they are. I mean, Dallas is a point behind, right? That's true. So you can sit there and say, "Ah, well, you know, no big deal." Nashville lost, we lost, we didn't get the two. We're still okay, four points back. You can't. You can't think that way. You're right. These three. You know, today's huge, and then you get uh, Nashville, so it's big. You know, big enough, but. You can only control what you can control, and you have 12 games left, and here come uh, the Dallas Stars, and they have more games to to make up, right? So they have games in hand.
1: So huge game for the Blackhawks tonight in Detroit, a 6 o'clock faceoff. We'll have that game for you on NBC Sports Chicago. But up next, we've got the president of hockey operations and general manager, Stan Bowman. Uh, We'll talk to him about everything he did Up to the trade deadline, his thoughts on his team as they head down the stretch of the NHL's regular season. That's next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000.
0: You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000.
1: Rolling on on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light. Break away from the nonstop chill with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle, coming to you from the First Midwest Bank Studios in downtown Chicago. Huge game tonight in Detroit. The Blackhawks taking on the Wings. That is a 6 o'clock face-off. Hawks looking to rebound after a tough one the other night. And uh, it is our pleasure to welcome in the president of hockey operations and general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks, also GM of the 2022 U.S. Olympic hockey team. He is Stan Bowman. Good morning, Stan. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, before we get to the moves you made at the trade deadline, I wanted to know, what was your assessment of the loss in Detroit on Thursday?
3: Uh, well, I thought we actually had a really good first period, um, had the lead, and then you know that first goal seemed to give Detroit momentum. In the second, you know those are those are ones that uh, you know they can sometimes get you off track. You know it wasn't really a scoring chance, and it goes in. But uh, they had those other goals right after. I felt like we um, kind of lost our focus for five minutes stretch there, and then uh, didn't find a way to score. So um, you know those are the tough ones when you you probably control most of the play. You have most of the possession in their end. You know, you hit some goalposts and you, you don't convert. And um, when that happens, it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth because it was certainly a game where you, you probably should have won it with uh, the way you controlled the play, but it, it doesn't go that way. That's why this is a tough game. So you you can play well and lose sometimes. But um, I think if we do a lot of the same things and, and limit those couple of mental mistakes, I think we'll we'll have a a much better chance today.
2: And Stan, I don't have a a degree in computer applications like you do from Notre Dame, but back when I was covering hockey on a full-time basis, it was, you know, goal differential, plus minus, you know, points, you know, basic stuff. When you look at this team, a young group in particular, what advanced metrics do you apply in the the group as a group and also individually? And maybe that leads into when you're making uh, acquisitions and trades, what are some of the metrics that you know stand out to you or, or have more weight for uh, your your evaluation?
3: Uh, well, there's a few different team-wide metrics that you look at. I think um, you know the special teams is important. I think we've had a little bit of an up and down year on that. I think we obviously had a great power play for most of the season, uh, and our penalty kill started out good, and then it, it dropped off quite a bit. And lately, our power play has been off. So you tend to notice it in in games like that. When it's a close game and you have a couple opportunities and you don't score, um, you you focus on it a lot more because that could have been the difference in the game. So that's one metric that's important is your total special teams index is something that we talk a lot about. Um, the, The teams that are good typically have at least one of those in in the top of the league, and if if not, you you'd like to have both of them be it, it's certainly in the top ten. Um, the other things we look at is just certain players have the ability to score. Um, you know, if you're an offensive type player, whether you're DeBrincat or Patrick Kane, um, you know your ability to convert on your chances. Um, they don't need as many chances as other players do in order to score. That's what makes them. Uh, elite scorers in the league but sometimes when that when that dries up then you can see that impacting your team and then on the other side of it some players are not looked at really for their offense but how do they do against good players so you know their their metrics and their performance when other teams offensive players are on the ice you know certain players on our team have better metrics than others on those so those are Depends on what, what type of player we're talking about. Uh, you know, there's a, each player has a role on the team, and they have uh, something that the coach is looking for them to bring. It's not always scoring, and it's not always, uh, not always defensive play. Sometimes it's a combination of the two. So you kind of have to look at it player by player when you're, when you're looking at those types of things.
1: Stan Bowman joins us on the hockey show on ESPN. One thousand. You mentioned the the power play, and obviously, it has dipped in production uh, as of late. You know, injuries, COVID have affected the the makeup of the units at times. Uh, it's certainly good to get uh, Kirby Doc back on the ice, and uh, he's out with that number one unit. Uh, from your vantage point, why do you think there, there's been a, a dip in production on the man advantage?
3: Well, I think what happens a lot of times, not just with our team, but what happens is when you have a group that has a successful run like we did for uh, six, eight, ten weeks of the season, um, you start to get more and more uh, data as as an opponent watching a power play, and you see what they're having success doing. And then what you do is over time you realize, well, they're scoring a lot of their goals this way. We're not going to get beat with that we're just going to take that away so then you know as a, as a power play you have to adapt to that and this doesn't happen overnight but you know over time teams start to recognize whether it's the brinket that's, that's really deadly or if it's Kane or if it's Boquist who's really moving around with the puck there's different things which when you have one extra guy on the ice you have an advantage but the other team can take away the thing that you're good at so you have to adapt to that so it's rare for a power play to be good from beginning to end with the exact same setup. You have to make some modifications as the other team adjusts to your setup. So then when that happens, you don't have as many reps with your new setup or your new look that you're trying to do. And you can practice it, but the game rep is what matters. So then sometimes it doesn't click right away. If you make an adjustment, either a different player on the power play, With like you said, we brought Kirby in, which He's a really talented player, but he hasn't been on that unit when it was really humming. So we've got to kind of find out what can he bring to that unit, which is different than Ryan Carpenter was on it sometimes. He's got a different skill set. Uh, Soderberg was on it for some time. Strom has been on it. So we've had some different people. Now with the current makeup, we've got to try to find out the best setup. And, I mean, they, we spent a lot of time talking about it, practicing it, doing video, uh, but it really comes down to the number of reps you you get in the game, and we we haven't had many of the last few games. I think we had two last game, and we, you know, sometimes if you don't win a faceoff, you don't even really get much of a setup of a power play to try to get some familiarity. So, um, so that's the that's the challenge with special teams is you can you can talk about it and watch video, which we do a ton of that, but you have to have the on ice um experience in order to really get comfortable
2: you were the uh, busiest gm on monday six deals done and interesting ben pope and sometimes still speculated that maybe you have as few as six certainties for next year's roster i i think i'd count it 10 to 12 either way i think it's a low number i guess my question stan is um you know, how many certainties do you think you have going in You you've, with all these assets you've acquired and also with the question marks with guys like Jonathan Taves and Andrew Shaw and different contract situations, this late in a regular season looking forward to the next season, it seems to me that you have a lot of question marks and, and maybe a lot of things to sort through.
3: Uh, I guess you could look at it that way, maybe. But the other side is we, we have a lot of young players that have shown the ability to play in the NHL, is here. We do have a few players that aren't here right now that I think will be uh, in the mix: with Paves and Nylander and Borkstrom. And we have, uh, you know, some other players too that are um, on their way up that I think can factor into it. Lucas Reichel's not here, but I think until we actually convene next year at training camp, we don't know where everyone's going to be with their play. But I look at that as an opportunity. I, I don't see that as a negative. Uh, you know, we're, There's going to be some uh, opportunities to bring new players in, either through trade or free agency in the offseason. There's, there's always movement from where you are now to where you will be. So I think there's uh, there's a good foundation for where we want to go. But I think looking ahead to see that we're going to have some new faces is actually a good sign, and it's something to get excited about.
1: A couple of those new faces that you acquired, Henrik Bjorkström and Adam Gaudette, you got to know both when you were scouting other players. One, Gaudette won the Hobie Baker. Uh, The other, Bjorkström, you called uh, you know, one of the most dynamic players you've seen in college hockey in in a decade. Uh, Both have had tough starts, though, to their NHL careers. When you bring players like that on board, What's your message to them as they start, you know, this this Blackhawks chapter?
3: Well, we've seen it with our own players. It, it's it's the toughest adaptation from college or, or junior hockey to the NHL. And players that were really successful at a lower level, uh, there's a large group of them that don't hit it right away, and they face some adversity, and it takes them some time to work their way up. And that in the case of Gaudette, in Borgstrom that's the case they they have a lot of talent natural talent they've shown that they can be impact players at a lower level than the NHL but they haven't put it all together yet at the NHL and i think sometimes when it doesn't come right away that can you know it's tough on these guys who had you know very very productive careers and it can hit your confidence a bit but i think once you you do a bit of a reset, and sometimes going to a new organization allows you to turn the page a little bit more. And so what we're trying to do is looking at the things that they do well and trying to bring that out of their game because they, they both have uh, some really unique attributes that can help an NHL team. And, you know, we think that we can work with them and, and build them up to, to bring that talent out.
2: You, you guys have been so successful with your European – acquisitions how has this COVID uh, impacted scouting guys and you have Reichel over in Germany and now Borgstrom in Finland but even you know from what you what you would normally do during a normal year when there aren't travel restrictions how is has that been more of a challenge to evaluate and keep in you know keep up to date with the with the the players you hope to bring over
3: uh it has been a challenge but I think we've just tried to roll with it and there's still a lot of video available so we probably watched more games in in total because we, we have more time you know you're not traveling to see them in person but um it's not a perfect proxy when you watch on video but what you are able to do is see a larger volume of their play so you know I feel Reichel's an example I feel pretty comfortable that I've seen a lot of his games none of them in person but Uh, I I think we still feel connected to those players. We can give them feedback and we can also scout other free agents through the video. And it's it's not perfect, but we're making the best of it. And I think it's actually been pretty, pretty good. I think we're learning that there's value in watching games on video. There's a lot of value in the in-person viewings as well. And we hope to get back to that. But while the world is the way it is, we're, we're still adapting, and I think it's been a successful year from that perspective.
1: President of Hockey Ops, General Manager Stan Bowman joins us on the Hockey Show. Uh, Stan Nikita Zadorov has had some ups and downs in his his first season here with the Hawks. He was a healthy scratch a couple of games ago. He's a restricted free agent at the end of the season. Do you expect to resign Zadorov?
3: Yeah, I think we will. Um, that's stuff that we typically sort out at the end of the year to see how his play goes and see how our team performs. But, you know, normally players his age, um, you know, we try to figure out the right contract with the term that you want to go on. And that's the back and forth with the agent. So um, yeah, I think he's, he didn't play as well lately. I think that's why he came out, but uh, I think that, for the most part, he had a really good run there. Um, pr- probably a bit of a slower start to start the year. New team, new new system of play, as well as he was coming off a surgery in the offseason. So I think his his first probably five or six games was, was not um, strong. But then he got going, and I thought he was one of our – he and Murph were a really good pair for us. I feel like they played their best hockey together. And then a couple games leading into that – the the last game in Columbus there when he didn't have a good night i think um you know sometimes taking a player out to reset and give him some feedback show them when they were doing well what they were what parts of his game were really effective and how we can recapture his his uh, game and i thought he did that he responded well uh yesterday so that's all part of the process with these players is he's played a lot of games in the league but he is He's still only 25 years old, and he's the same age as Suter. And you know, we we look at Suter as he's this young guy, but they're they're the same age. They've just one's got a lot more NHL experience than the other.
2: And I think Kevin Lincoln is 25 as well, Stan. He surprised a lot of us when he took hold of that job. And you know, like every goalie, he has some off nights, but for the most part, he has put you in a position to be a postseason team. Um, What's the ceiling for Kevin?
3: yeah you're right kevin has done a great job for us this year uh you know i I guess i wouldn't have anticipated him playing as many games at the start of the year you probably thought there would be more of a back and forth but he's taken hold of that job and run with it and um i think this is kind of just the start for kevin you know he he's still a young guy um so he's got a lot of for goalies they they typically hit their stride you know and they're late 20s, early 30s. It's a little bit different of a trajectory than, than skaters. And, you know, he hadn't had the chance prior to this year. He, he had some really good years uh, in, in Rockford as well as for Team Finland in international competition, and he got his chance here, and uh, he made the most of it. So he's certainly looking like he's going to be um, a goalie that can help us for, for a long time.
1: Stan, your players were offered uh, the opportunity to get the vaccine this past week. Do you know the percentage that uh, that have been vaccinated?
3: Uh, I don't know the actual numbers. I would say it's the majority. Okay, did take advantage of that. Um, but I, uh, you know, I think that's obviously a personal choice. It's not something that uh, that we get involved with. We we want our players to stay to stay safe. And we're seeing it even right now with a couple of teams being shut down, whether it was uh, I think Vancouver and Colorado or on pause due to COVID. So, you know, we've, we've had really good compliance with all of the regulations and uh, even sometimes perfect compliance, you, you know, guys are going to get COVID. So, uh, you know, for the people that felt comfortable, we thought it was a smart move.
2: How do, uh, how do you look at the division plays or anything you could keep moving forward in terms of scheduling?
3: Uh, what, what do you mean by that?
2: Well, I mean, obviously everyone wanted to cut down travel and everything else, but, you know, certainly the Canadians are loving Canadian hockey every night. And oh, are there any okay. aspects of, I, I think... uh, you know, rivalries being built up within, you know, back to backs and, and
3: yeah. Yeah, I yeah, know. I understand. So I, 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 love this, this format schedule. I don't know how much they're going to adopt next year. I mean, I've, I've put my word in that I would and fully endorse this setup where it's, it's really just the, the wear and tear on the players and and the coaches where you're going to a different city all the time and you put so much preparation work. It's nice to be able to to play more than one game. So, you know, certainly it's not possible to do this schedule next year because we're, we're going to have a group of teams that we only play them one time in their building. So when we go out to the Eastern teams, we only play them one time, so you're not going to be making a multi-game trip. But – uh, for the teams in your own conference and your own division. I think it makes a lot of sense to try to stack these games on the road. Uh, you know, When we go to a place, let's play them more than one time. I, I just think it, it's been great for our players. That's, it's strange playing the same teams over and over this year. I don't know if that's the, the right approach. I think there's probably been out of necessity it worked this year But I think we'd want a little bit more variety. But uh, we would be totally supportive of this block-type schedule.
1: Last one for me, Stan. You know, the Blackhawks are now the only NHL team in the U.S. that is not currently allowing fans. Um, And, you know, it it doesn't look like it's going to happen here with the regular season uh, winding down. Obviously, this is a conversation that takes place with the team and the city and the state. Is there any optimism that if you guys reach the playoffs and it's mid-May that some fans might be allowed to uh, attend at the United Center?
3: Uh, great question. I just don't have the insight into that so I don't want to speculate. I think my feeling I'm not really in those conversations. I think people would love to get the fans involved. I think they're doing it out of you know out of precaution and safety for, covid is is very real and it's serious and as a result i think you have to lean on the people that have that as their expertise so uh, i think you know the determination is that it's, it's not the right time to do it right now but if that changes in the future uh uh it certainly seems like there would be support for having fans when it was safe and it's not safe right now uh so you know we're we're just going along. Sure, we'd love to have the fans there. That, that's what makes our sport great, and the Blackhawk fans are so, uh, you know, that gives us a huge advantage When there's even if there's not a full building. If there's just some fans, we would welcome that, but we also recognize where, we're, where we are with COVID, and, you know, there's a reason why it, it, it's not a good idea right now.
2: Twelve games left. How important would uh, a postseason berth be for this young group?
3: Oh, it would be huge. I mean, we're pushing hard here. Uh, we saw the value of that last year in the bubble in Edmonton. I think it, it helped to get some first-hand exposure to what that means. It's uh, We got this big, certainly a big game tonight, and then we got the three-game series against Nashville, and we conclude our season against Dallas at home in two games. So I think you know, those, those games in particular are going to be pivotal for, for us. We have to we have to perform well in those, and then you know we've got some games in between there as well. So they all matter, uh, and we're we're pushing hard. We see the value in getting into the playoffs, and uh, we're going to keep fighting.
1: And it uh, continues tonight in Detroit. Stan, thank you for joining us, taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, great job at the trade deadline, and uh, let's see these guys make a run here, the final twelve, and uh, and get into that postseason.
3: Sounds good. Thanks a lot. appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Stan. It's Stan Bowman joining us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Brian and I react to our conversation with Stan on the other side. This is ESPN 1000.
2: You're
0: listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000, The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
1: show on ESPN 1000 presented by Coors Light break away from the nonstop chill Brian Hanley Pat Boyle with you our thanks to Stan Bowman and the Blackhawks media relations department for making that happen this morning uh your biggest takeaway Brian from uh what Stan had to say
2: well it you know one that uh, I'm glad that he really wants to see more postseason play for this young group because any playoff uh you know experience is good for a young group, but it is a young group. And uh, you know, when I said that Ben Pope and the Sun-Times speculated maybe as few as six players are certain to be part of this group next year, now you made a little bit of news because Zadaroff, he expects to re-sign him so you can add him to the list. And uh, interesting, Duncan Keith wasn't on Ben Pope's list. And there's, you know, that uh, Duncan may be considering retirement. A few months ago, he was talking about Plano 45. So I, th- I think when you start looking at Borkstrom, and by the way, Phil Thompson did a terrific job in the Tribune of profiling the uh, uh probably the most important acquisition of the trade deadline. A guy's gone from 5'10 to 6'3 and he's now been called the magician, but as you said, Pat, has had a tough go of it uh trying to adapt to the NHL. Hopefully the uh the size and reach and and the innate abilities of Borkstrom is going to pay off for the Hawks. There's a lot to sort through here moving forward. And The idea that you can go with numbers rather than star power, I don't know that you can win that way in the NHL, but I think Stan Bowman probably has two, three more years to get to the point where he has to figure out which star power he needs to add once this group blooms a bit.
1: Yeah, no, I I think if you look at uh, the 21 that lace them up uh, each and every night, I think at the end of this season, we're going to know 10 to 11 that are, I'll say ten that are are a part of the long term plan for this team, and whether that's you know your Canes, your DeBrinkets, your Strom, your Docs. I mean, I, I did not see the piece you were referring to. Duncan Keith's going to be back next year. Um, we'll t- we'll get into the the expansion draft at a, on a later show of who they're going to protect. I know you you have to protect guys that have no movement clauses. Duncan right. has that. Patrick has that. Johnny has that as well. So, um, look, you know, you asked Stan if this team would benefit from getting the postseason. I think the postseason starts right now. These are high leverage games, right? I mean, you you know, this this is about as must win as it's going to get. The next three games is like a series against Nashville. You have to take two of three, if not take them all. So
2: well, better start today.
1: I yeah, better start a Thursday. And that's what I'm saying. Like the tweener guys. Like if you are on the fence about Zadorov and he doesn't fare well over these final twelve, that would also say to me, well, boy, he, that was pseudo playoffs. And if he didn't perform on that stage, how I how do I expect him to perform on the actual stage? So you know, I, I do think. There's going to be a different lens that Stan and the Blackhawks look at this team at these final
2: 12 games. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and when I asked about metrics, you know, we obviously we talked about special teams, good and bad, over the last few months. The idea that they still have a goal differential of minus 16, mm-hmm. and you know, the second period did them in for the most part on Thursday. The third period. Opponents have a plus twelve goal differential against the Hawks. Yeah. Now maybe that speaks to inexperience. You got to finish, right? Yeah. I mean, whether and you, that's you, been you,
1: that's been an issue, Brian. That that has right. been an issue that they've had some growing pains in that in that area.
2: Yeah, I mean, as Stan talked about, having a top you know top of the league power play or penalty kill or top ten for both of you expect to compete. You can't be sixth worst. In third period goals against i mean and goal differential is either you're trying to you know get a goal back to tie the game or you're protecting a one goal lead or whatever that speaks to again we haven't seen full 60 minute efforts uh many of them anyway even in the short season for the Hawks.
1: yeah you know the the uh the pk being in the the bottom third pretty much all season long that that has been uh problematic to me. I I would have expected to see there uh, some improvement to get towards the middle of the pack. I mean, you can't argue too much with the power play. I I do believe what Stan said that there is some uh there is some adjustments that teams are doing. I see that even 5 on 5. I see it all over the place. You know, when you take on a team 6-7 Uh, eight times, you, uh, you have, you know their tendencies, you know their weaknesses, you know their strengths. And And I have seen how penalty kills have been really aggressive against the Blackhawks the last six weeks where, uh, you know, the first ten weeks of the season, they weren't that way.
2: So. it's something we haven't really talked about which has been uh some uh, an area they need to improve upon in a, in a huge way is face-offs and we know what Jonathan Taves means at the dot Dylan Strome talked about the other night after the game you know that he, he you know was criticizing himself that he hasn't been doing a good enough job with face-offs and that's a big thing I mean obviously moving forward and Some guys really understand how to win draws, and other guys try but aren't very good at it, but you need more than a couple guys on a roster to get that done, and it was good to hear that Stan included Jonathan Taves in next year's uh, picture because I didn't hear Andrew Shaw's name, and for a guy who uh, talked about how he considered retirement after the last round of concussion and and being sidelined, I would think that... He's dealing with that and sorting that out yet again with the latest concussion. And I, I fully, this is me speaking, don't expect Andrew Shaw to be back. So it's good to hear that, you know, Stan mentioned Jonathan Tave's name, even though we still have no uh, inkling or clarification as to what he's dealing with or the timeline there. Let's sneak
1: in uh, a phone call here before we had to break. Here's Bob in California. Bob, welcome to the Hockey Show. How are you doing this morning?
4: Hey, I'm doing great. Love the show. You guys do such a an awesome job, and um, I just—it's so great to have a um, full hour of hockey talk on ESPN 1000. So I really, really appreciate that. We appreciate um, you, Bob. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, I just wanted to ask you guys about—you um, were just talking about Jonathan Taze a little bit. I'm—are you guys surprised that he's not back? Uh, and then I also wanted to ask you. I'll hang out and listen after this, but. Why do you think this team, like, they knew they needed to beat Detroit, and I know it's not just a given. Detroit's been playing really, really well. But why, um, what's up with, like, I was surprised Collinson waited to pull the goalie, but then he was really good about calling a timeout a couple games ago. Like, I think it was two minutes in. Why in a Carolina way game. saw, kind yeah. of, yeah. Why when he saw, kind of, how flat they were, they were up three shots after the first period. Like, why does it take so long for these guys to get going? Um, and then um, do you think we'll see Gaudette get a uh, play tonight? So I'll hang up and listen. Great job, uh, PB and Brian. You guys are awesome. Thanks, Thanks so much. Bob. Go appreciate
1: on. it. Uh, Godet was uh, out at practice the other day. They didn't practice in Detroit yesterday. They've actually been uh, kind of uh, taking more days off than than they have been usually. Uh, Godet has not played in over a month. He was one of the first on Vancouver's team to uh, test positive for COVID-19. So I think he's still got some conditioning issues. And uh, I do think we're going to see him. I don't know if we'll see him as soon as tonight. As for some of the flats, I mean, Jeremy said it the other day. After he called that timeout, which was truly a turning point when they were down two nothing and and... It was just an awful start. Uh, th- the team responded. He says he doesn't like doing that. He likes using the TV timeouts. Um, he feels that, uh, uh, you know, sometimes he'd rather communicate with his team between periods before the game, after the game, what have you. I, I think we saw, you know, firsthand that, that that timeout absolutely did work, and you know maybe these are some things too that that Jeremy is is experiencing in in year three uh, of being a head coach in the NHL. A- and as for the Detroit performance, I mean, we, we asked Stan right off the top. You know, the the metrics as far as puck possession, they favored the Hawks throughout that game. Uh, but we all, it didn't match the eye test. I think that's really kind of where we were going with that. And hopefully, uh, we see a different performance and a different outcome tonight. On the other side, we have the, the one timer segment as we wrap things up on The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000.
3: You're listening
0: to the Hockey Show presented by Coors Light. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN One Thousand.
5: One timer,
0: One timers. One
5: timer by Albertson. It's has gone.
0: On the Hockey Show. One timer,
1: On ESPN One Thousand. One more time one-timers on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle with you. All right, Brian, lead us off in one-timers.
2: Uh, have you been paying attention to the mighty Philly, the Philadelphia Flyers uh, goaltending a little bit of an issue, Patrick?
1: Yes, I have. I've experienced the, their goaltending issues up close and personal when I covered that team for three and a half years. But, uh, yeah. Well, for
2: the, about three and a half weeks, um, maybe five weeks, actually, They've allowed at least five goals 13 times this season, including nine and eight in losses to the Rangers. And uh, this recent stretch now, they're 91 goals, 3.96 per game, um, and they're 8-12-3. So we know how important, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if Kevin Lincoln is the guy here in Chicago moving forward, if you can uh, actually compete for a cup with him. But for teams that have thought that they were going to compete for a cup this year, Carter Hart apparently is not going to be your answer.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing about goalies, you know, that one year they look like world beaters. They look like Patty Wah, They, they, they look like Ed, Ed Belfort. And then the next you're like, huh? It's kind of like sometimes closers in baseball where they, uh, the consistency yeah. isn't there year to year. And that's why when you, you know, commit to somebody and, and you, you, you hope that it's a, you know, something that, that you'll see consistent play from for a long period of time. Like, you know, Corey Crawford was a stabilizing force for this team for a really long time. And And yet
2: every year people say, you got to trade this guy. Yeah, exactly. He's not good enough.
1: No. Uh, Okay, so we we appreciate our opportunity to talk hockey uh, from 9 to 10 a.m. here on ESPN 1000 each and every Saturday. Uh, The other shows on... ESPN 1000. They'll talk hockey once. Carmen Yurko, huge hockey guys. Sure. They do a fantastic job. Uh, Waddle and Sylvie, they, they, they're a little late to the party, but they've really been bringing the, the hockey knowledge as of late. Uh, first of all, let's start with the Waddle and Sylvie hockey open, which, Probably goes down as one of the greatest opens in ESPN 1000 history. Take a listen.
0: When some shows talk hockey, they like to break down power plays. Other shows might dissect zone entries and board battles or maybe the lack of a net front presence. Hey, listen, buddy, just keep
5: stopping the puck, and that's all we care about, right? Not on Waddle and Sylvie. But. In in the sport, can't somebody grab... Because the defensemen have longer sticks, right? If you want to talk hockey with Waddle and Sylvie, you better have a PhD in pucks. Isn't that true? I thought that was I don't kid. know that. I don't Mellor's even know that. that.
0: I thought that used to be the case. Because on the Waddle and Sylvie show,
5: they puck you like you've never been pucked before. Can't somebody who's normally not a defenseman, can he... Can he play that position in a pinch? When Waddle and Sylvie puck you, they bring the lumber. And didn't they say that it's really tough to skate backwards? Yeah,
0: you like getting pucked like that.
5: You may be right, I, I don't, uh, but I don't know. The defenseman's I didn't, stick was longer than... I didn't grow up well playing hockey. That's seven, how we seven, talk six. hockey. I'm sorry. I don't, you know, I'm... Uh, there are no dumb hockey questions. Puck me? Many people, still the basics, aren't aren't known. I don't even know if that's a basic question. No, puck you. (laughs) That's hockey, baby! (laughs) When
0: Waddle and Sylvie puck you, you know there's going to be some screaming. Not going to slip one past the goalie? Watch your five hole.
5: I got the Vesna trophy working. I do have the right trophy, don't I? I don't
0: know. Nobody's pulling the goalie when Waddle and Sylvie puck you. I
5: would think if you're doing a lot more poke checking. Hockey talk. Wouldn't you want your stick a little longer? The only way Waddle and Sylvie know how. I'm on the Mod Squad hockey chat board right now. Hard and in your face. Mr. Dangles, that's his, that's his handle, says many defensemen use longer sticks for obvious reasons. On ESPN 1000. Now it's just like throwing me to sites I don't think I'm allowed to be on. Bad move, Waddle. And ESPN
1: Chicago. See, it's done. It's answered. Tip of the hockey helmet to Jeff (laughs) Meller who put that bad boy together. I laugh every single time they puck you like you've never been pucked before. Okay, so the other day, uh, Brian, they they talked a little overtime hockey, and uh, Sylvie got in the spin
5: cycle. Take a listen. Let's take a skater off the ice. Let's go four on four. Let's open it up. This is going to be really fast-paced. It's fun. I thought it was three on three in overtime, isn't it? No, it is a four. Well, I'm counting the goalies, though. Here, oh, why are you counting the goalies? They don't do anything. Well, no, I mean it's 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 full strength. Five on five is full strength, right? Right. Four on four is when you have a man taken off the ice on each team. Well, five on five, you still have you have a goalie. That's six on six. No, 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 no. The goalie (laughs) is the fifth. You, well, what, so like when you are full strength in hockey, okay, you get, five you get a penalty. Times. It's five on four, right? And then when you have a two man advantage, it's five on three, right? So in overtime, but you, you still have a ho- you still have a goalie. You're not you're not six on four. You're five on three. That's why I'm saying it's three on three hockey in overtime. Listen, these are the types of arguments or you mean, hockey you, conversations. Am I you have. am I lost on this or is Wada lost on this? Where, I think only, it's assume that there's goalies, so right. it's three on three. It's three on three. I it's four on four. When you said you four on ball? four, I thought, uh, I thought it was three on three. Yeah. Who's right? Where's the hockey guy here? I thought it's four on four hockey. Like, full strength is five on five. Right. Right. Wait, so, so you're it, assuming that the goalie's in net. You don't count there. him on five and five. Why would you count the goalie in overtime? It's three on three. You've got yourself spinning in it's circles oh, So right it's now. me who's
3: spinning? Yeah. Uh.
5: Like you said, five on five is full strength, right? Yes. You're yes. assuming there's a goalie in oh, each net, right, right? Right. So when we get to overtime and there's three guys on the right, ice and right, there's one guy right, in each right. net, yeah. why are you then calling it four on four? All it's right, three so, on three. So it's three on three in yeah. overtime. That, all right.
2: I, Come why. on.
1: So Get we've out. we've straightened yeah, it out. Bottle and Sylvie. I feel
2: like I've been playing hockey without a helmet. I know, I know. So S-
1: Sylvie's gonna be filling in for me next week on the hockey show. Yeah. He, he's, gonna, <laughs> he's gonna break down overtime, <laughs> three on three, four hey, on four. You know,
2: he's he's our Bulls expert, you know. Tell it, it seems like they're only playing with four guys a lot of times, so <laughs> let's you know,
1: he ought to worry about that. Uh, my thanks to Tyler Aki does a great job producing this show. Tyler. He, Tyler, Jim A. And he'll uh, also take care of Brian and Fred Hubner coming up next. We've got White Sox Weekly at 1230, the pregame show at 230, and we have the Battle of Laundry, White Sox versus Red Sox at three o'clock on your home for the Chicago White Sox ESPN 1000. Brian, have a, a great week, uh, and I'll be listening to the show and, uh, Let's get a win tonight in Detroit, shall we?
2: I watch it on the TV.
1: All right, Jimmy. <laughs> See you later, Brian. Thanks for listening, everybody, on the Hockey Show on ESPN One Thousand.